0: Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including house churches, gathering times, and other resources, please visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Jennifer Roth. Hey, good morning, Salem Alliance. Glad that you're joining us via live stream this week. My name is Jennifer. I'm one of the pastors here, and I need to start with a confession this morning. I am one of those people who just hates tension. I really, really dislike that feeling when the tension just kind of starts to grow inside, whether it's an internal tension or maybe there's a relationship in conflict or somebody else is in conflict or there's global conflict. I don't like that feeling that rises when there's something I don't understand or something that's uncomfortable or disturbing or something that I see someone else is upset about. It's a constant journey for me to navigate how I manage tension. As a matter of fact, I stopped watching suspenseful movies years ago go because there is enough tension in real life that I don't need to borrow it from fiction. I'm one of those people who actually reads books. Well, let's just say this. I start them like normal people. I read the first few chapters. I get to know the characters in the plot, but when that plot gets to that point of tension that's just a tipping point for me, I do. I just jump to the last chapter, and I read it, and I let all that tension dissipate so I just know how it ends, and and then I decide if I want to go back and read the middle of the book or not. So when I heard months ago that this winter we were going to be doing a series called Overcomer, going through the book of Revelation. Honestly, for me, the confession is the tension started to rise because I have experienced Revelation as a book that I don't understand, that that disrupts things, that has things in it that are disturbing to me. And so how have I dealt with my tension? A lot like I did with books or movies. I just avoid it. When Brian said last week that we're coming into the chapters here in Revelation where people usually stop reading, yep, I confess, that's me. This is the part of the book that I skip. Brian started last week. He did a great job of, of explaining the why behind judgment. There are these three sets of sevens that happen in Revelation. Brian talked last week about the seven seals. We're going to talk today about the seven trumpets. And later in the book will be the seven bowls. And in these judgments, we see this harsh graphic depiction of pain and suffering. And friends, that's hard for me to reconcile. That causes tension inside of me. I have found, though, that I've been grateful for the series for a couple reasons. One, I have learned so much from Steve and the rest of the teaching team over the last few weeks. I have found, like you, that this series is demystifying revelation, and I'm not afraid of revelation anymore. So I'm grateful for the journey that we are on as a church family with this book of the Bible. I'm also actually really grateful for the way that it forced my hand that I had to stop in this particular passage, Revelation 8, 9, and 11, talking about the seven trumpets today that I had to grapple with what I found there, that I had to be still in one place and not just skip over it and not avoid it, but allow that tension to bring me to God and to spend time with Jesus saying, Jesus what is your heart here for me? What is your heart here for the church? What is your heart for your people? And that's what I want to share with you today. So we're not going to go back into the why of judgment. Brian did a really nice job with that last week, reminding us that judgment, without judgment, we can't have justice, and God is a God of justice. But today I want to lean into how do we grapple with, how do we navigate the tension that rises up, whether it's in Revelation or other parts of Scripture where we don't understand God. We come face-to-face with the mystery of the divine, and how do we reconcile what we're seeing in Scripture with the loving God, with the gentle God? I mean, think about it. We love the God of 1 John 4. It says, God is love. And in this love, there is no fear because perfect love casts out fear. And we're like, yeah, life verse, sign me up for the love that has no fear. Or the gentle God of the Beatitudes on the hillside teaching people to love their enemy and turn the other cheek. But friends, what we're going to read today has some graphic descriptions of pain and suffering. And how do we reconcile the God of love with the God of judgment? And that's what I want us to lean into today. Friends, I know I'm not alone in this tension. I know that many of you feel it too. As a matter of fact, I'm guessing that many of us know people, friends, family, acquaintances, who are not followers of Christ, and they would name this very topic as the reason why. The pain and suffering in the world. A God who is depicted as a God of judgment or a God of wrath, and they would say, I can't follow a God like that. And so it is imperative that those of us who do follow this God find a new way, a new way to think about this so that we can reconcile our God who is never changing, who is love and who is just. So today I want to call us, I want to call us up from the ways that I think we would normally respond to tension. Maybe some of you like me, you take time to avoid and ignore. (laughs) Maybe it'll just go away if I don't pay attention to it. I think others end up taking offense at the tension. When something is disrupting and disturbing them, they're like that it, they put the blame on the thing that causes their tension and they say that that is the problem. So this God of judgment, he is the problem and bitterness and resentment and doubt and cynicism rise up. I think still others deal with this by going on the offensive. They attack. Hey, there's something that's causing a disruption in me and making me feel uncomfortable, and so I am going to go after it, and I am going to dismantle that thing so that there's no way that it can make me feel uncomfortable in the life that I am choosing. And friends, we live in a culture that is, has no tolerance for what they would call intolerance. We live in a culture with a spirit of an age that says, you can't tell me what to do. There is a pervading spirit that says, no one can tell you what to do. You get to make your own choices in our independence, in our autonomy, even our antagonism towards authority. We live in a culture that does not know how to navigate or reconcile love and judgment. And so today, as I invite us to a different way to look at this passage in Revelation, to consider our God and who he really is in his fullness, I think we need to invite Holy Spirit to help us understand what we're going to see in Scripture. So I just want to pause and pray together. Father God, this is your holy word. Every word in it and God, I confess that there are places in this book that cause me tension that I don't understand where the mystery of you causes disruption in my life. And today, Lord, we just want to submit ourselves to your word and we want to invite your Holy Spirit to be present among us here in this room and wherever this is being viewed or listened to. Holy Spirit, we invite you to light up your word, to silence the lies of the enemy, and to reveal your truth. Would you speak through me today, God, and let your truth be known through your word? It's in your name that we pray and commit this time to you. Amen. So we're going to be reading starting in Revelation 8 today. And as I read, you're going to see images on your screen like this one. I've asked... passage of Revelation. The point is not that we know what this does or will look like. The point is that we engage our eyes and our ears in the reading of the word today. So follow along with the images on your screen as I read from Revelation chapter 8. Then the seven angels with the seven trumpets appeared prepared to blow their mighty blasts. The first angel blew his trumpet and hail and fire mixed with blood were thrown down on the earth. One-third of the earth was set on fire, one-third of the trees were burned, and all the green grass was burned. Then the second angel blew his trumpet, and a great mountain of fire was thrown into the sea. One-third of the water in the sea became blood, one-third of all things living in the sea died, and one-third of all the ships on the sea were destroyed." Then the third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from the sky, burning like a torch. It fell on one-third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star was bitterness. It made one-third of the water bitter, and many people died from drinking the bitter water. Then the fourth angel blew his trumpet, and one-third of the sun was struck, and one-third of the moon, and one-third of the stars, and they became dark. And one-third of the day was dark, and also one-third of the night. Then I looked and I heard a single eagle crying loudly as it flew through the air, terror, terror, terror to all who belong to this world because of what will happen when the last three angels blow their trumpets. Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet and I saw a star that had fallen to earth from the sky and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. When it opened, smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace and the sunlight and air turned dark from the smoke. Then locusts came from the smoke and descended on the earth, and they were given power to sting like scorpions. They were told not to harm the grass or plants or trees, but only the people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were told not to kill them, but to torture them for five months with pain like the pain of a scorpion sting. In those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them the locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. They had what looked like gold crowns on their heads, and their faces looked like human faces. They had hair like women's hair and teeth like the teeth of a lion. They wore armor made of iron, and their wings roared like an army of chariots rushing into battle. They had tails that stung like scorpions, and for five months they had the power to torment people. Their king is the angel from the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon, the destroyer. The first terror is past, but look, two more terrors are coming. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice speaking from the four horns of the gold altar that stands in the presence of God. And the voice said to the sixth angel who held the trumpet, "'Release the four angels who are bound at the great Euphrates River,' Then the four angels who had been prepared for this hour and day and month and year were turned loose to kill one-third of all the people on earth. I heard the size of their army, which was 200 million mounted troops. And in my vision, I saw the horses and riders sitting on them. The riders wore armor that was fiery red and dark blue and yellow. The horses had heads like lions and fire and smoke and burning sulfur billowed from their mouths. One-third of all the people on earth were killed by these three plagues, by the fire and smoke and burning sulfur that came from the mouths of the horses. Their power was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails had heads like snakes with the power to injure people. But the people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. If you're following along, we skip to chapter 11 to pick up with the seventh trumpet, Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices shouting in heaven. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. The 24 elders sitting on the thrones before God fell with their faces to the ground and worshipped him, and they said, We give thanks to you, Lord God, the Almighty, the one who is and who always was, for now you have assumed your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were filled with wrath, but now the time of your wrath has come. It is time to judge the dead and reward your servants, the prophets, as well as your holy people and all who fear your name. From the least to the greatest, it is time to destroy all who have caused destruction on the earth. Then in heaven, the temple of God was opened and the ark of his covenant could be seen inside the temple. Lightning flashed, thunder crashed and roared, and there was an earthquake and a terrible hailstorm. This Is God's holy word. We read of natural disasters, sci-fi creatures, torture, bitterness, darkness and death, Terror, 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 terror. The eagle cries. The judgment of God is fierce and ferocious and devastating. How do we reconcile this with a God of love? As I've been challenged to stay with this passage and to not turn away from the tension. But to ask God, what is your heart, and to allow Holy Spirit to speak to me, I found a couple of frameworks for thinking about this that have been super helpful to me, to bring reconciliation between the harsh realities of this judgment and the nature and character of the God of love and peace and joy. So I want to share those frameworks with you today, hopefully to give you a way to see your mind transformed by the renewing of your mind and a new way to think about these things that are honestly hard to grapple with. So the first framework I want to offer us is one that I just called the created order framework. It's simply this. We know that God created the world. He created the spiritual realm, and he created the physical realm. And in his creation, he created it perfect. There was order. There was no chaos or destruction. There was the perfection in the garden. There was relationship with God for his created beings. And in his perfection, he also gave both spiritual beings and human beings choice. He gave us free will. Many of us wonder at times why, when he knew the suffering that would come by giving an opportunity for both good, there is such opportunity for good on the earth, but there is also opportunity for evil, such opportunity for evil. Why, when he knew what it would look like in 2021, did he give us that choice? And honestly, that's a sermon for another day. I suspect it has to do with his desire for relationship with us and that he wanted a reciprocal loving relationship with us. And you can't have a reciprocal loving relationship if you don't have choice because I can't choose to love someone if I can't choose not to love them. I don't know all the reasons why God gave us choice, but in his perfect wisdom, part of his created order was inserting choice into his perfect non-chaotic not no death no destruction relationship with God created order but as you know As a result of free will, Satan himself, one of the angels, rebelled against God. And in that rebellion, he took a third of the angels with him. And that force is the foundation for all the spiritual battle that happens in the heavenly realms. Our earth is overshadowed by the spiritual darkness of the rebellious forces who have set themselves against God. And we know that in the physical realm, Adam and Eve did the same thing. God told them not to eat of a certain fruit, and they chose not to trust God and to disobey God. And we call that sin. And that first sin let loose sin in the world. And it also let loose death and destruction. Friends, God warned them. He told them that it would lead to death. He tells us again in in Romans that the wages of sin is death. There is no mystery here in God's created order. There is evil and sin, and when we choose that, it leads to death and destruction and suffering and pain, and there is God, and there is goodness, and there is redemption and restoration, and if we choose him, that is how we overcome the wages of sin. And so if we look at Revelation through this framework of created order, suddenly rather than just seeing this harsh, punitive reality of pain and suffering, what we see is a God allowing his natural order to run its course— we see that the first four trumpets are the natural world let loose. In Romans 8, it tells us that all of creation groans under the weight of humanity's sin. It groans to be free from its bondage to decay. These first four trumpets are the groaning of creation. It is natural forces let loose as the natural consequence for the historical sin of mankind and in the spiritual realm. Friends, this is actually the judgment we deserve. It is only by grace that we could look at this and be surprised because this is what God said would happen if we sinned and when we sinned. We look at the next few trumpets and we see that it is the demonic forces released. It is the beginning of the end of the chaos that the spiritual darkness brings to this world. And yes, it is pain and it is suffering. But it is also aligned with what God said would happen and how he said he would do it. People who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. You notice that in chapter 9, that first terror. That first terror and the, the torment. It was only to people who did not have the seal of God on their forehead. Friends, these judgments are coming on those who have rejected God When we follow him, when we obey him, that is how we are overcomers. I want to say it like this. If we're offended by God's judgment, it's kind of like if I had a kid and I said to that child who had never experienced being burned, I said, don't put your hand in the fire or you'll get burned. And that child decided to disobey me, they put their hand in that fire, and they experienced an excruciating pain that they had never imagined was even possible. And they jerk their hand from the fire, and they look at me and they say, you are a horrible parent, because I got burned. Friends, that's what it's like when we take offense with God for allowing the judgments of his natural created order to take place on this earth. It's like looking up at him and saying, you are a horrible God because you are allowing the things to happen that you said would happen if I behaved in the way that you told me not to behave. We cannot take offense at God when the judgments, the natural consequences of his created order play out before us. Which leads us to the second framework, because he did not leave us in that framework of the brokenness of the created order, in the brokenness of our sin, in the brokenness of spiritual battle. See, the second framework is a framework of mercy. There's a verse that jumped out at me when I read through this for the first time. It just, it it lifted off the page at me. I'm going to put it on the screen here for you to read with me. It's Revelation 9, verse 20, and it says this. This is happening after the first six trumpets, the natural disasters and the torments and the terrors, and it says, but the people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. They refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. And what jumped out at me at that was something of God's purpose in this judgment. See, it reframed judgment from just being in there for punitive reasons to being there for restorative reasons. God is allowing the world another taste of what it looks like and feels like without him, but he still holds the door open to say there is still time to repent In 2 Peter, it says it this way, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Friends, God does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. Repent. From the moment in the garden when mankind chose to disobey God, God has been pursuing his people. This is the big God story. This is the Genesis to Revelation story. This is a God who over and over again is pursuing us and winning us back. He's making covenants with an unfaithful people. He's forgiving and loving and redeeming and healing. Jesus says that even his incarnation was about coming to seek and save the lost. Friends, this is God's mercy. Yes, there was a natural created order, and judgment is what we deserve. But God continues to bring awareness to us that we might turn to him. Friends, judgment is not unique to Revelation. We see it all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, this reality that if we turn away from God, certain things will happen. But if we turn towards God, certain things will happen. <clears throat> He is always opening the door and inviting us to repent and turn. And so if we reread these trumpets in light of this framework of God's mercy at work on our behalf, it totally blows it open in a different way. Because what happens is we see that these trumpets, they're not the total judgment of God. They're not the final fulfillment of judgment. They're not the end and total destruction. He leaves an opening for people to repent. Look at the number one third that we heard over and over again as I read. One third of this and one third of that. Remember that numbers in Revelation are not are not literal, but they're symbolic. So what is one third symbolic of? It's symbolic of God's mercy. It's symbolic that this is not the whole and utter destruction yet, but there is still time to come. It's never too late to come. What about those scorpions who were given permission to torture people? That just sounds horrible. And yet they were given five months, five long months, yes, but a finite time, a finite time for torment and torture. God in his mercy put that a finite limit on that. Even the people, did you hear the part where it said the suffering was so bad that they wanted to die, but they couldn't? That just sounds so horrific. And yet, if they are still living, they still have a chance to turn and to overcome eternal separation from God and to come back to his merciful, merciful heart. Friends, God is holding back. He is holding a door open for us, and he continues to say, come. It is never too late. And some of you listening and watching today, you feel like it's too late for you. Maybe you've known God's word for a long time, but you've just never made a decision to follow him. Because like me, there were parts in scripture that just caused tension to rise. There were things that you didn't understand, or they felt disruptive And so you just have never been able to say, yes, I would follow a God like that. Or maybe you've been offended by God and you've been resisting him for so long and he's starting to touch your heart and it's starting to thaw and you're starting to wonder if maybe you've been wrong, but you're afraid that you'll just look like a fool. What would your family or your friends think after resisting God for so long, if you actually took his invitation and came? Friends, There's one author who writes about these seven trumpets of revelation, and he says these seven trumpets are actually the trumpets of God's mercy because he's issuing a warning that says, stop, look, pay attention. This is what is coming if you do not choose God. So friends, if you have waited, don't wait any longer. Talk with your house church leader. Talk with the friend who sent you this link. But sit in that tension and ask God, what is his heart for you? If you want to talk with somebody about what it means to become a follower of him, we also have an email here. It's thecrossatsalemalliance.org. If you don't know who you could talk to, there'd be someone here who'd love to talk to you. But don't wait, friends. It's never too late. These trumpets end with a picture of the 24 elders around the throne of God worshiping him and praising him and thanking him. Why? They're thanking God because he has stepped up into his rule and his authority. Why would they think, think about the six torments that have come, the pain and the suffering. Why would the 24 elders who stand in God's presence, why would that bring out a holy, holy, holy moment? Why would that bring praise and thanksgiving? Because as they said, the world has been full of wrath but now God is bringing his judgment and his wrath. And friends, God's judgment is just and his wrath is edged with mercy and oh, to be in the hands of God rather than the hands of our broken world. And so we praise God because he has stepped into his authority, because he is answering the cry of the martyrs, because God, the high and the holy, the other that there is none like him in his eternal authority is saying enough. There will come a day when he says enough. And he will take the wages of sin and he will bring them to a final end. And yes, there is pain and suffering and it is hard to read and it is hard to grapple with, but it is worth praising over because it will be finished and God in his authority will win. And those who have followed him will overcome by the blood of the lamb. So, How do we connect these thoughts and walk them out in our day today? I want to give you a couple ideas for just continuing to process this idea of God's mercy in repentance, even in the face of justice and judgment. The first one is, Engage weekly with the three pauses. If you're not familiar with this, the three pauses is something Salem Alliance Church Community has been doing for about a year now. Uh, Every week there's a prayer prompt that comes out, and they've recently shifted it to be a a a once-a-week time to stop and to pause and to wait with a particular scripture that all of Salem Alliance is, is is praying on that same week. It's part of being a part of this community. But to wait and to watch, to listen, and then it's an invitation every week to repent. Some of us in repentance need that big U-turn, but if you were listening several weeks ago, Kari gave us this picture of repentance that was the chiropractor's table, the minor adjustments that keep us aligned with God. And when we engage with our body of believers here at Salem Alliance in these three pauses weekly, what we're doing is we're weekly coming before our chiropractor God and saying, how do I need to be aligned with you, a little bit more fine-tuned in alignment with you so that I can be bringing your kingdom to those around? me and and sensing you inside me and being a part of this community. So engage with those three pauses, friends. Another one is Romans 12.2. This is actually a really significant verse in my life. It says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Friends, remember this, our world has no tolerance for what they see as intolerance. They resist authority and judgment. But in order to not think like our world, to not copy the behavior and customs of our worlds, we set ourselves apart as somebody who submits to God's authority and to his just judgments. We don't want to be easily offended or thrown off when there's something about his divine majesty or mystery that we don't fully understand. We acknowledge that we are human and he is God and we are not And so we don't copy the offense or the antagonism of the world, but we let God transform us. We let him give us new frameworks, renewing our mind and giving us a new way to think through these things. Like many have said in this series, marinate in Scripture, especially those places maybe that tension rises in you. Go to those places and ask God, what is your heart for me in this part of Scripture? Be saturated with prayer especially learning to listen as Holy Spirit guides you through each day. As we turn back to worship this morning and we turn to our time of communion, I want to remind you of this. The God of creation, who put his perfect plan in place, has been pursuing you and I for the entirety of human history. He's been forgiving our sins, seeking and saving those who were lost. When Jesus came, he didn't come. A doctor doesn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. Do you feel broken? Do you feel wounded? Does sorrow rise up in you? Allow this time of remembering the sacrifice of Jesus, the redemption found on the cross to remind you of this, that God's mercy seen on the cross of Christ is the thing that reconciles his judgment with his love. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit at SalemAlliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.